Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian, philosopher, and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. All around us, typically and mercilessly, we find abuses of power, large and small. Whether it is a high school principal sabotaging the lives of teachers and students through micromanagement and thwarting initiative, uh, or a small business owner who can't hold on to competent employees, or a politician who, through corruption and abuse, quote, leads, end quote, his or her nation to chaos, poverty, and war, we see it everywhere. And that's because man, as a general rule, is, quote, aberrated, end quote. I'm going to define aberrated for you. Aberrated means subjected to or affected by aberration. Now, aberration, defined by Mr. Hubbard in his masterwork, Dianetics, is defined simply as, quote, mental derangement, any irrational condition, end quote. So, when you see a man who has a wonderful family and a great career seem to blow it all up, through uh, uh, unethical behavior, say, with a, um, an illicit uh, relationship, or if you see well-to-do people, well-heeled people being uh, thrown in jail for shoplifting, or uh, there's, there's countless, countless examples of, of insanity all around us. Aber- aberration, which is, as Mr. Hubbard says, mental derangement, any irrational condition. So we have our own, and we see it in others, and we see it in our lives in general. So that's a very valuable term because it identifies it. It's it labels it. It's basically aberration. That's it. Anyway, there's a reason I'm dwelling on this term because it comes up here later. So on the 12th of February, 1967, L. Ron Hubbard wrote the most extraordinary article on the subject of leadership and power that I have ever seen or read, and probably the most extraordinary article on the subject there is. And if you've never read it, make sure you get your hands on a copy and uh, and do so. And if you have. Today is a great day to read it again, uh, particularly with everything going on in the world today. It will help you understand what is happening, but most importantly, it gives you your passport to being able to leverage yourself and your own power and the power of those around you to affect a force that can bring ethics and sanity to your own environment and the world at large. And for this reason, I consider this one of the most important episodes of BusinessWise we have ever done to date. The article is called Responsibilities of Leaders and is often referred to among students of the Hubbard management system as Simon Bolivar, because the example used by Mr. Hubbard to express the fundamental laws of power is that of the liberator of South America, Simon Bolivar, and his consort, Manuela Sáenz, two highly extraordinary and able beings who, while freeing a continent, in their lifetimes ultimately died exiled or in poverty, only to be later deified. Mr. Hubbard used their story to illustrate the common mistakes of leadership in the mishandling of power, and of course, how to remedy that. There's no substitute for reading this incredible piece of writing in its entirety, but today we're going to discuss the seven points that Mr. Hubbard closes the article with and gives anyone who is a power or anyone who is near a power the guidelines they need to achieve success and survival. Mr. Hubbard introduces these seven points with the following, quote, man is too aberrated to understand at least seven things about power, 
So now you know why we emphasize this word aberrated. Why do you see these abuses? Man is too aberrated. What is the solution to all these abuses? Ultimately, it's to de-aberrate man, which means de-aberrate individuals one by one, and let's start changing the world. That's how we're ultimately going to do it. But while aberrated, if we can understand these seven fundamental guidelines or laws, you could call them laws, uh, we can certainly help to bring about a better world. So again, he says here, quote, man is too aberrated to understand at least seven things about power. So here we go. Quote, one, life is lived by lots of people. And if you lead, you must either let them get on with it or lead them on with it actively, end quote. So here's your first point. Let's acknowledge the fact that life is lived by lots of people. You're either going to let them get on with living life or lead them on with it actively, one or the other. Let it go, let it roll, or if you're going to lead, lead, and lead actively, because they've got lots of stuff going on. They're living their lives. They've got uh, kids and uh, family issues. I have yet to meet someone who did not have stuff going on in their personal lives. You know, sometimes we meet people that we think, do they have a personal life too? Yes, everybody does. And they all have issues on them and they're all dealing with them. Maybe you never see it, but yes, they do. They're living their life too. So uh, if you're going to lead, lead. Uh, and, if, and if you're not interested in uh, leading, then don't pretend to be leading. Just let them get on with it. So there you go. That's number one. Quote, two. When the game or the show is over, there must be a new game or a new show. And if there isn't, somebody else is jolly well going to start one. And if you won't let anyone do it, the game will become getting you. End quote. So this is one of the interesting things about beings. They always have to have a game. And uh, you'll find this quite often in uh, businesses. They Somebody hits upon a game like, let's go solvent or something. Uh, or... Let's hit this target and a certain size or maybe a certain volume of business. And they're playing this game and you can see the power of a game because they're all kind of coming together and they're doing it and the morale is high and they have their wins and they have their losses and you're in there leading and you're saying, let's go, there's the target. And then uh, the target is met. And then what happens? Well, let me tell you what has to happen. There has to be a new game because if there isn't, uh, is you know you're going to see this. One of the most common things that I've seen about this game about going solvent, for instance, you know, let's get this organization solvent, and it goes solvent. One of the first things that happens after it goes solvent is guess what? It goes insolvent again. Why? Because there's no new game. So you'll see this game being repeated over and over again because nobody can think of a new game. So okay, we went solvent. What's the game now? I don't know. It kind of sucks around here. Nothing's happening. It used to be kind of fun, and it's not fun. I mean, it was tough, but it was fun. And now we're solving. Yeah, hey, hallelujah. 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 And then, uh, new game. And uh, if somebody, if you don't start one as the leader, so there will be another game started by somebody, which might be, um, let's start seeing if we can get each other fired. Something like that. Some kind of weird game. Let's start being critical of each other and finding fault with each other. That's a good one. That's a game that somebody will create if no new game is created. And then so now your game is, hey, stop being critical of each other. You know, stop, uh, 
you know, why are you coming to me with this report about this other person? You guys used to get along great. You know, what's going on around here? And stop this game is basically what you're saying. And so now, interestingly enough, next person that's getting targeted is you. Why? Because you're not letting them play their game, their game of backbiting each other. So whose fault is this? Okay, if you're the leader, remember the, the, the first law. You, if you lead, you must either let them get on with it or lead them on with it actively. Okay, because I'm the leader. I am the boss here. Okay, oops, we didn't start a new game or we couldn't find a game that everybody was interested in. See, that's part of the trick here is you got to come up with a new game, one that everybody's willing to play. Okay, and that's just part of leadership. Okay, quote, three, if you have power, use it or delegate it or you sure won't have it long, end quote. Have you ever uh, had a, seen a leader who just like, just refuses to delegate any power to anybody else? And they're just kind of, they don't trust anybody else. And this is my baby. I created this and I have to make all the decisions and, you know, but then they don't. Then they sit there indecisive and they're not actually using it. And everybody's starting to get grumpy about the whole thing. And it's like, come on, let's make a decision. Let's move. Let's you know, anywhere. Let's just do anything, but let's get something going, right? And then the, and the leader won't make a decision, but he won't let anybody else make a decision either and won't delegate and won't give anybody else power. So that's a dead end, obviously. Quote number four, when you have people, use them or they will soon become most unhappy and you won't have them anymore. End quote. Yeah. Use them or lose them. That's a common way of expressing this, and we see it all the time, particularly like in volunteer activities. You know, you sort of get a bunch of people together. You're going to start a committee on something, or you're going to do something for the community, and you put all these people together, and you recruit all these guys. That, yeah, sure, I'll do something. Yeah, I'll, I'll help with this. That sounds like a worthy cause. And then you don't actually uh, put them to work. Well, guess what? They won't be there next week. <laughs> You'd be surprised how far, how fast it dissipates. I've had this uh, problem numerous times where I appoint people to be in charge of a certain wise group in an area and say, okay, good. Now, you, you got guys coming to your meetings? Yeah, yeah, they're coming to the meetings. Okay, give them all hats. Uh, no, well, I don't think they're ready for that. Every single time I've watched people not assign and give hats to people and then make sure they do them. That's the other thing. You can give them hats, but then don't make them do them. That group dissipates. So yeah, give them hats, use them, get them to work, train them on what they're supposed to be doing, and you all of a sudden you've got yourself a group. Okay, quote number five. When you move off a point of power, pay all your obligations on the nail, empower all your friends completely, and move off with your pockets full of artillery. Remembering LRH is using a military leader as a as an example here. So these are military analogies. So he says, when you move off a point of power, pay all your obligations on the on the nail, empower all your friends completely, and move off with your pockets full of artillery, potential blackmail on every erstwhile rival, unlimited funds in your private account and the addresses of experienced assassins, and go live in Belgravia and bribe the police. And even then, you may not live long if you have retained one scrap of domination in any camp you do not now control or if you even say, quote, I favor politician jigs, end quote, abandoning power utterly is dangerous indeed, end quote. So there you go. It's, it, yeah, once you've got power and you move off that point of power, make sure you do so thoroughly and completely and don't try to put your finger back in that pie or you're going to get that finger chopped off. Okay. Yeah. You know, I sold the business now and all the employees and my friends will all go out for beer later uh, with all my you know, former executives and stuff like that, you know, 
and they can now not matter to me about their new boss and I can say something and next thing you know, you're getting attacked by uh, the new boss or somebody, you're, you know, it's not safe. So you're going to do it, do it fully and utterly, but it is dangerous. Okay. And then these last two points are very relevant for people who are not necessarily leaders, but are near a leader. So he goes on, he says, quote, but we can't all be leaders or figures strutting in the limelight. And so there's more to know about this. Quote, six, when you're close to power, get some delegated to you enough to do your job and protect yourself and your interests. For you can be shot, fellow, shot, as a position near power is delicious but dangerous, dangerous always, open to the taunts of any enemy of the power who dare not really boot the power, but can boot you. End quote. So that's really interesting. If you're near, have you ever noticed this? You know, the big man or the big woman, she doesn't get attacked, but all her underlings do. <laughs> all her immediate juniors do. You're near, you know, who's going to get the boot? Who's going to get attacked? Not, they're, they're scared of the, you know, the big uh, dog, but they're, they're more than willing to, you know, throw darts at the people around them. Okay. So you better get some delegated to you so that you've got some power of your own. So he goes on to say this, uh, same point, point number six, to live at all in the shadow or employ of a power, you must yourself gather and use enough power to hold your own without just nattering to the power to kill Pete in straightforward or more suppressive veiled ways to him as these wreck the power that supports yours, end quote. So yeah, there's more to getting power delegated to you than to just go and be critical of your enemies and say, you know, boss, you know, this person really is giving me a hard time. Can you please, you know, execute them for me? Or can you take care of them? Or can you fire them or whatever? That actually pulls away from the power when you do that. The correct solution is to get power delegated to you so you can protect yourself. You understand that? So he says, uh, and that he says it wrecks the power that supports yours. You're actually weakening yourself whenever you weaken a power terminal that you are depending on that power. Okay. Goes on to say this quote, he doesn't have to know, he's talking about the leader, he doesn't have to know all the bad news, and if he's a power really, he won't ask all the time, what are all those dead bodies doing at the door, end quote. And if you are clever, you never let it be thought he killed them, that weakens you and also hurts the power source, end quote. See that? So if it's always going to be the leader that's doing all these things to put in ethics and justice, it weakens you because you now apparently have no power of your own. The only power is that guy or that girl, and they are being weakened because they're always the one that's that's perpetrating everything good and bad in the area, you know, instead of you taking responsibility for it. So he says that weakens you and also hurts the power source. So then he goes on, he's, he's using this example. Well, boss, about all those dead bodies, nobody at all will suppose you did it. She over there, those pink legs sticking out, didn't like me. Well, he'll say if he really is a power. Why are you bothering me with it if it's done and you did it? Where's my blue ink? Or, Skipper, three shore patrolmen will be along soon with your cook, Dober, and they'll want to tell you he beat up Simpson. Who's Simpson? He's a clerk in the enemy office downtown. Good. When they've done it, take Dober down to the dispensary for any treatment he needs. Oh yes, raise his pay. Or, Sir, can I have the power to sign divisional orders? Sure. End quote. You see what a power near a power, you know, someone who is working near a power. Can I have the power to sign divisional orders? Can I have the power to do this? Can I have the power to do that? That way I can support you better, the power. 
right? And that power will be stronger and you will be stronger. You see how that would be? As opposed to just drawing on that power to protect yourself, you get enough power delegated to you to take care of business. All right. I also love uh, these examples that Mr. Hubbard gives here because, you know, he's also validating the guy who beat up Simpson and says, okay, give him a raise. <laughs> anyway, I just love it. Quote seven. And lastly, and most important, for we all aren't on the stage with our names and lights. Always push power in the direction of anyone on whose power you depend. It may be more money for the power, or more ease, or a snarling defense of the power to a critic, or even the dull thud of one of his enemies in the dark, or the glorious blaze of the whole enemy camp as a birthday surprise. End quote. Now, don't forget, he's using military examples here, so you don't have to go and do this in your own business. You know, off people and burn down their en <laughs> the enemy camp, whatever. But you get the point. It's an analogy. All right. He's making an incredibly important point here. You have power. Push power in the direction of the guy or gal whose power you depend upon. Don't pull that power away. Push power towards it. Okay. And that way your power grows. He goes on to say this. If you work like that and the power you are near or depend upon is a power that has at least some inkling about how to be one. And if you make others work like that. Then the power factor expands and expands and expands, and you too acquire a sphere of power bigger than you would have if you worked alone, end quote. This is an interesting point. You have power, but by connecting up with uh, power and pushing power to that person, not drawing power away, but pushing power to that person, you end up more powerful yourself. That's how that works. And I don't see enough of that. In our group, amongst the wise membership, for example, we should never miss an opportunity to push power back and forth to each other because that way we create more and more power as a group and can affect greater change than if we decide we're going to be bitter rivals or we're going to attack each other or we're going to not talk to each other or not bother to associate. Even as simple a thing as association and being interested in each other and figuring out ways to help each other, that is such a vital component to uh, making us a force that can actually do something worthwhile on this planet. So he says this, real powers are developed by tight conspiracies of this kind, pushing someone up in whose leadership they have faith. And if they are right and also manage their man and keep him from collapsing through overwork, bad temper, or bad data, a kind of juggernaut builds up, end quote. This is how you create the what's a juggernaut? A juggernaut is an unstoppable force. And what do we need to affect great change in our society, uh, in our country? We need to start forming juggernauts of sanity, of truth and true understanding of how, you know, life and the world goes together so that we can start producing a civilization that we would be proud to pass on to our kids. That's pushing power to our kids, by the way. We count on our kids to push power to us too. Sometimes we need to remember that it goes both ways. He goes on to say this, don't ever feel weaker because you work for somebody stronger. The only failure lies in taxing or pulling down the strength on which you depend. All failures to remain a power's power are failures to contribute to the strength and longevity of the work, health, and power of that power, 
And he then says this, devotion requires active contribution outwards from the power as well as in, end quote. Important element of all this is that the power flow goes both ways. Uh, a power will not remain, that it would be a violation of those earlier points of power. If he's not, if the power terminal, a man or a woman, is not pushing power back to the employee or the, or the stalwart uh, loyal participants and lieutenants, if you will, and they're not pushing power back, that network of power, let's figure out how we can make each other stronger by pushing power back and forth. We weaken it to the degree that we don't engage in full, open, friendly, purposeful communication, uh, support in all directions. Well, I say all directions, but in the direction of anyone on whose power you depend. Let's qualify that. You know, you count on your customers, their power source for you, your power source for them. How do you push power to your customers? How do they push power back? You could easily see that if you could figure out how that would work with your employees, with your customers, with your allies and alliances with other businesses in the community. How can I flow power to Joe? How can you flow power to me? We can create juggernauts for effective and positive change in the world, which we happen to be living in a world that's in desperate need of change. This is as far as uh, I'm concerned in my observations and working with many, many groups is something we all need to work on. How can we push power to each other? It's something you can certainly apply within your own group that you are leading, whether it be a volunteer group, a nonprofit, a community, maybe you're a politician, um, or even just being a leader in your own family. These same principles apply. So it's a big subject covered in just a few minutes, but uh, definitely please read the article fully. You will learn a tremendous amount. And of course, most importantly, apply it starting now with whatever group you're associated with. Let's figure out how we can push more power back and forth to each other. And uh, let's create this juggernaut for a better world. Okay, that's it for today's episode of Business Wise. Let me know what you think. Uh, you can like the uh, episode by clicking the like button. You can uh, leave a comment or you can write us at info at wiseeastus.org. Uh, this one in particular, I'd like to hear your feedback and your thoughts on this. All right. Thank you very much for listening and we will talk again next week.